All right, everybody, I want to thank you for joining us again for another episode of the Servant Leader Coaches Bible Study. I'm your host, Coach Chelsea, and I'm excited again for just another amazing episode where I already know some firepower is going to come blazing in the very first few seconds that you hear today's Servant Leader. Uh, we've been talking back and forth for a while. I have on today Servant Leader Courtney Braswell with us, and I told him I try my best to tell each Servant Leader why God led me to reach out. And in this coaching world, it's rare that we see authenticity and passion outside of the coach and the sport, just truly for those that we reach. And there was no way I didn't get this brother on to talk and just come chat with us and move this agenda forward. So coach, I wanna thank you so much for your time and being here today. And I'm gonna go ahead and pass the torch to you. So you could just introduce yourself to our listeners and we'll get this conversation started. Awesome, I am uh, I'm Coach Courtney Braswell. I'm the uh, inside linebackers here, coach here at Army West Point. I'm entering my first season here at Army West Point. Um, my going into my third season now uh, as a collegiate coach. Prior to that, I've been a high school head coach and assistant coach in, in my home state of Georgia and in the state of Tennessee. Um, and, and coach, I just appreciate you having me and giving me the opportunity to, to kind of share. I think one of the most difficult things uh, I know for me as a coach personally is, is figuring out where your faith and, uh, fits into your coaching and where your ministry is in your coaching. And I think one of the things that's been so uh, significant in my life is the fact that I've had the opportunity in my coach career is that I, I had somebody tell me a long time ago that, uh, you know, the enemy is going to attack you in the areas that he least wants to see you be successful, that you're not going to be attacked. Um, you're not going to be tested in the things that don't matter. You know, uh, I'm awful at math. I don't have to worry about Satan attacking me in math. I don't, <laughs> I don't have to worry about those things, but but in this football thing, um, in this ministry, and even uh, you can see in the little sign I always keep in my office that an excellent coach impacts more people in a year than some people are packing their lifetime. It sits in my office because it's so true. And so I think in the majority of the battles that I face, and I think the coaches as a whole are going to face, are going to be the ones that are going to attack you um, in, it, in, in this passion that we have. The good coaches um, are not always the ones with the most wins and losses, but the ones that exude passion and love for the players and the community and those around them. And so I think those are the areas that we get attacked the most, whether it's parents, unruly parents that are upset about playing time, whether it's fellow teachers, whether it's administrators, whether it's other coaches, whatever it may be. I think there's things that occur in our in our coaching profession that are meant to deter us and to shift our focus. And I think oftentimes focus is always like, hey, I got to do this, or I got to do this thing, or I got to raise this much money, or I got to win these many games, or I got to do all these different things. And I don't think focus is necessarily what you see, but it's all it's what you refuse to be distracted by. Um, and I think those things that come up, the unruly parents just stick out in my mind the most because those things serve as distractions to alter your focus. And it's just a, it's a weapon of the enemy to try to mess with our ministry. And, and I, I firmly believe that. And when I sit down and you look at the, the, the definition of the word perseverance, it really means to push through severity that as bad as things are going to be, like they're going to be severe. Um, they're going to be difficult. They're going to be hard. Um, you're going to meet resistance on even things that you and your and yourself know to be good. Uh, it's so difficult at times to keep the faith and to keep the eye on the prize. And I think one thing that kind of keeps me grounded and, I, and I, uh, as I, I often read the, I say often, not as often as I should, but I try to read the book of James. And I'm just so reminded of the book of James and 
you know, James is the brother of Jesus. And, and when we talk about servant attitudes and servant leaderships is that James is the brother of Jesus, but you wouldn't know it if you asked James. Like James, he was humble and he's, he's writing these letters to the church in the midst of people falling off the wagon because of the adversity they're dealing with. I'm always constantly reminded of my own personal struggle as a coach that, you know, you're trying to win games, you're trying to do right by kids, and you're just constantly meeting adversity. And I just remember James, James, uh, James 1, verse 2, or James 1, verse 2 would always say, you know, count it all joy, my brothers and my sisters, when you encounter various trials. Like, I think that's something that we always lose focus on, that it's so easy to, when things are not going well, or when things are going very poorly, to, to get down and to get discouraged, and we lose our focus. But uh, the verse goes on and say, it's the testing of your faith. And I can tell you, and I know there's a lot of coaches out here that have had their faith uh, faith tested beyond belief. But the thing that sticks out to me so significantly about that is later on in verse 12, it goes on to say that blessed is the man who perseveres through trials. And I think that sometimes for, for me as a coach, one of the things that's been so important is that when I go through these tough times or I go through these tough things and I don't really know what the answers are, sometimes uh, the struggle that kids get to see me have and me fight through my struggle is a blessing to them that I don't even realize that the way that I carry myself and the energy that I bring to practice and what I pour into my kids um, is something that I think seeps through that they recognize. And they, I can't ask you to persevere if I can't persevere myself or if my mood is up and down or my coaching is inconsistent because of what I deal with personally. So I think it's important that I continue to count all joy because in everything, um, there's something good about going through tough times that if you stay committed to the process, the product is guaranteed. And it's not always about wins and losses. Sometimes it's about becoming better. Sometimes it's about learning something else. Sometimes it's about your experience making somebody else's life better because they've seen you endure something they thought was too tough. And one of the things is that I think is important about that verse too in James that it says, count it all joy. It doesn't say for joy or something's joy. Joy, it's not circumstantial, like situations. It's, it's really about, it's really about everything that I endure, what can I learn from it that's going to make me better? Um, one of my favorite verses is Romans 8, 28. And it, I'm always constantly reminded of it because it says all things work together for the good. It does not say that all things will be good. And I think that's a common misconception that, you know, why do good things happen? Why do bad things happen to good people? Well, count it all joy. All things work together for good. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you. And so I think keeping those things in mind are just so important because just because I'm going through a trial doesn't mean I'm less than. Just because I feel like the situation is hard doesn't mean I'm less than. Um, a lot of times it is the testing of your faith because we're going to be highly favored because we've gone through these things and we're going to be better on the other side of them. Um, the other thing is, I, I think, and I just, I wrote a couple of things I just had on my heart to share is that I think a lot of times that trials are God preparing you for something that he's working on within you. Um, that, you know, I know one thing I'm really guilty of is patience. I think we're all coaches. We're impatient by nature. Uh, the ones of us that are very demanding. And I think where I'm the most impatient is with my own personal growth. Like, why can't I be at this point now? Or why can't this player get this play or get this technique now? But I think in the same thing with my faith and with the perfection of my faith is understanding that God is trying to develop something that's in me. 
and understand that when God allows me to go through trials, he does so because he trusts me and he's trying to show me that I'm stronger than what I may have realized that I was before. That there are qualities in us that, that only trials can bring out. That I'm constantly reminded there are 7 billion people on the planet and only one, one person has the thumbprint. So there's only one person in God's plan that is uniquely made to deal with the situations and circumstances that I've been through, that, that each and every one of us have been through. So we, we think, why is this happening to me? Or why is this so tough on me? When in essence, it's happening to me because this, this thing or this issue or this circumstance or this trial, this tribulation has been uniquely, ta has been uniquely tailored to fit what it is that I need to be shaped from God. And so I think when you think of things in that in that mindset, it changes what the outcome is. It changes your attitude about it. That that when we go through tough things, God is trying to mold us in something, and He's trying to push us somewhere. Like as a football coach, we go through training camp. Why? Because we're not where we need to be. There's somewhere we got to go. We got to go through the hard stuff to get there. As a as a man of faith, I'm not where I need to be. So I've got to go through some through some things to get where it is I need to be. Uh, as a father, as a as a eventual husband, as a football coach, there's some things that I just have to do. I've heard Nick Saban say a million times before that when you want to be successful, it just takes what it takes. Well, if you want to be a follower of Christ, it just takes what it takes. And and for it to be for it to be that, it's going to be rough sometimes. And uh, we all going to get fired. We're all going to lose. We're all going to be embarrassed about the product that we put on the field or the court. Um, and we're all going to be embarrassed about some of the things we've said and done within our faith. But what is it that we take from that and move forward? Like, what is the understanding that we have that God is trying to reveal to us? And for me, it's, I understand this, and I'm so hard on myself because for a long time, for a very, very long time, I was a coward in my faith. I didn't want to put out there that I was a Christian. I wanted to be a good person. I was a good person. I love people, but I didn't want to say the words Christian. I didn't want to say my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because I knew there was some accountability that came with that, that I wasn't, that I, I really wasn't ready for, because then I couldn't say things the way that I, that I was saying, and then I couldn't operate in the way that I was operating. And so I think for me, there's some accountability within that, that there's a complete understanding that God will meet us where we are, but it's also important to understand that he knows how we are where he meets us. And so uh, for me, I never wanted to put it out there because I didn't want to have to walk by that faith. Uh, and I was a coward about it. And so I think one of the things that's, and I'm, I'm getting on a tangent here. I, I feel like I'm at the men's prayer breakfast, but nah, you're good. Yeah. You're good. I'm all so, in. Yeah. So I, I think, I think, you know, for me, when it comes to those things about faith, about the works of your faith, about pursuing or, or pushing through adversity, it's important to understand that there's a shaping that is that is going on. There's qualities within yourself that are going on that need to be further molded, need to be further molded and cultivated. Um, and so I just encourage everybody, um, constantly in my faith, when I there's times that y'all know that kids really, really upset us, and there's just a certain certain amount of words that we want to use that can only describe our frustration. But but I try I try to refrain from that because we all sin and fall short, but and I still uh I still backslide from time to time, but I think it's so important to understand that in everything that we go through, um, and there's coaches that are that are looking for jobs and they know they're highly qualified coaches. Well, God, why not me? Well, there's something that needs to be perf be perfected. Or maybe you don't get this job because, not because of the type of profession you are, but maybe God sees that you're not ready for that job because you hadn't gone through this yet. And I remember when I became a high school head coach, I wasn't ready to be a head coach at all. I don't know that anybody 
is ever ready to be a head coach. I sit in this office here, Army West Point, one of the most prestigious schools in the history of the world, not ready to do this job. But I, I understand that everything I'm going through uh, is, is, is meant to build me, is meant to, to edify me, to help me along the way. And so uh, I just encourage everybody to, to push through severity, to, uh, to cling to your faith, to, to know that, uh, that there are people uh, out there that are going to be better because of your involvement in their life, because of the struggles they see you go through. Um, I, think that's, I think that's so important to understand that and to also uh, to, to, never, to never feel bad about the backslide, to never feel like that you're less than or that you didn't make it uh, because you had an issue, because you're upset. It's okay to be upset. Like, I think one of the hardest things for me was, you know, being from down south and being from Georgia and moving to New York, um, the hardest thing about it was it's been uncomfortable. Uh, and putting my faith out there is, is uncomfortable. But from, from discomfort comes growth. Like, if I'm sitting in the chair and it's uncomfortable, I got to move to make myself comfortable. I think it's the same thing with your faith. I think it's the same thing with your profession. That discomfort is often viewed as a bad thing, but it's really meant to make you move, to create some type of movement. So I encourage everybody in your faith to move, in your job to move, to invite discomfort into your life because that's the only way that growth is going to occur. And growth is hard. That's why they call them growing pains, right? I mean, when you go to the doctor because you're having pain, those are growing pains because growth is not easy and growth is not hard. And once you begin to grow, you'll you'll never really ever be the same again. So uh, I think I'm rambling at this point, Chelsea, but uh, I've gotten on my high horse. So I now think I'm off, I'm off my soapbox now, I think. Listen, you, I'm telling you, you're that person. I'm telling you right now, you're that person that when you play spades, you drop all your jokers, you don't care. You don't save your spades to the end, right? You came in slinging the big joker, the little joker, <laughs> all that straight up. But I'm telling you, yeah. up, man, it is truly, I told you before we started that this platform is truly a godsend, that he is infiltrating the sports world, right? We are dealing with his young people. We are dealing with the next coaches, the next leaders, the next preachers, the next prophets. We are dealing with those people. And sometimes we're the only Christ they see. And yeah. when you speak about, you know, being those growing pains and not only that, being in a place where we grow in our faith, because sometimes it isn't easy for people to say, you know, I know where my help comes from and then move and extend and say it comes from God. You know, maybe it's because of the title or the position that they're in, or maybe they're just not at that place yet. But when you can firmly get to a place to not only understand I'm in this position, but I know who positioned me there, that's when you're on to something. And that's where you are. You've dropped several gems already. And the one that got me, I was sitting here like, oh my gosh, I can't keep up. You were talking about the trials. Trials show me that God, trust me, it's not to harm me. And even in the word, that's one of my favorite scriptures too, Romans 8 and 28. He never said that it all will be good and feel good to, I mean, I'm sorry, feel good to us, but it's going to be good. You know, if, if I tell people this all the time, if God didn't send it, I don't want it. Yeah. If he didn't send it and he, if he didn't send it through his own TSA, if he scan it, I don't want it because I know that if God has intended it for me, he also has to prepare for me to get there. And that's going to take some growing pains. That uh, is. Uh, there's, I think there's no, there's no doubt about it. And we all want the short, you know, we all want the instant gratification. We want to see the immediate reward for our action. But uh, 
one of the things I'm reminded of too is that the God delivered the people of Israel, the Israelites from Egypt, and it took them 40 years wandering through the desert to get to their blessing. Like it took them 40 years of trial and tribulation and all these things to get to their blessing. And, and for me, like how dare I ask for instant gratification? How, how dare I not be willing to put some tread, to wear some tread on the tires uh, to get to the point that it is that we want to be to. And, and some of that is is outside noise, right? Like you see it with, with in the coaching profession now that guys are getting fired uh, when they take over jobs they've been losing. I mean, even with Coach Taggart at Florida State, that just that was significant to me what he endured, the fact that there was a program that began to be on decline um, and then he's fired, you know, a year and a half into his tenure. Um, rightfully or wrongfully so, but like, where is the endurance? Where is the perseverance? Where is the chance to to make a change? Like, where where is that at? And so, there's this instant gratification that exists in society when they can't have it. People want to move on. Well, like the old saying, "Good things come to those who wait." And and I think I think in our profession, we get so caught up in what other people want and what other people's results are. Some of the best coaching I've ever done has been on losing teams. Like some of the most growth I've ever seen has been not on the field. My first head coaching job, I took over a team that had, had the state of Tennessee's second longest losing record at 23 games in a row. Um, and that first year we won three games and next year we went eight and four and went to the second round of the playoffs. And people said, oh man, you did a, a, I did a much better coaching job year one than I did year two. But the difference was, was we won off the field year one that set up the on the field success in year two. And those are the things that aren't measured. Those are the things that late that late at night when you're pouring into kids, um, when you're crying out to God in the night, I don't know what to do or how do I fix this? Or like, those are the things that that are important because it's not the cheers of the fans. It's not the principal. It's not, it's not the athletic director that's going to get you through those times. It's your faith mm-hmm. because you're, when you become a head coach or when you're a coach or when you see something in a kid, you're oftentimes trying to get them to see, you're trying to get the principal or the athletic director to, to see something that's not yet tangible, right? They say, Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So it's like, I'm trying to get you to see something that you really can't physically see. So you're trying to get people to, to understand a vision that they can't truly see. And so um, you got to have some type of faith and some type of, that's my guide. Like how else? Because you're not going to get the affirmation from man. You're not going to get it from the fans. So where do you get it from? And you get it from God, you get it from your faith. And uh, when I don't know if I'm doing the right thing, am I trying to operate within the scripture, what I believe that my personal compass is, then that's how I know that I'm where it is I need to be. Yeah, I'm with you. And, you know, I'm laughing down here at at Coach West. He said those losing seasons will have you leaning on God for real, won't it? It will. (laughs) And and we all know that to be true in this coaching path, you know, and what you were saying reminded me, you know, my brother Cabral Huff, he's actually head men's basketball coach at Voorhees. And we talk, you know, daily just with podcasts that we listen to and just sharpening each other's iron. And it's funny enough what you said, because this morning that's what we were talking about. And we listened to Christine Kane podcast. And one of the things that she said, she said, you know, what's more important to you? Is it more important for you to do the calling that Christ has placed on your life? Or are you called by what you want people to see you doing? And as coaches and leaders, that is something that we truly have to take a gut check at ourselves and understand. She said, you know, sometimes do you care? What if the, the God we know, 
his purpose is sending you to a zip code, but because that doesn't give you enough fame, right? It doesn't give you enough notoriety. We won't go because we want what's in the glitz and glamour, but that's not your calling. So how, how will we commit to our calling? And, and that's what I hear you saying and, and everything that you're speaking. And, you know, I'm with Coach Chris too. Yeah, that losing season and definitely put things in perspective. But just like what you said, I've learned a lot and I've grown more in my losing seasons because you do. Not only do you lean on God, but you truly, that's when you have to bring out your best stuff. Well, I think what you said makes a lot of sense. Like people don't want to go here for this or that, or am I going to follow the call? And it, and it comes down to this, choose this day whom you will serve. Like, Come on. I mean, like, what, what's it what's it going to be? Because you can't serve, you cannot serve two masters. Well, I think it says it says in the Gospels, what does it say? Uh, be hot or cold, but don't be lukewarm or I'll spew you from my mouth. Like, Come on, pick, man. you got to pick a side. And so, um, and that's hard and that's tough and that's difficult. Like, what is it that I really want to do? Am I am I chasing the glorification? Am I chasing the approval of man? Or am I really trying to make this a ministry? Um, you can absolutely do both, but you got to make sure that where you are, uh, where you are is aligned, is aligned with where God wants you to be. Like if, if you're at a place that you feel, if you're at a place where you feel like, man, this is not the fit for me because there are things going on that don't don't match with my beliefs, but that's not really the place that God may want you to be, or it's a place where it may be time for you to. To stand, to stand up and, and say, hey, I'm a witness or I'm, I'm a Christian, like, which is not something I was, I was afraid to do that. Like, uh, I think the thing that stuck out to me is I heard some, I heard a pastor say one time, you know, could you, if you, would your people in your workplace know that you were a Christian in the way that you behave? And they would know I was a good guy. They would know I cared, but did they know I was a, that there's a lot, there's a lot of people that care. There's a lot of good people out there. There's a lot of people that do really good work and care about their jobs, but would they know I was a follower of Christ? And what I had to come to realization was that answer was emphatically no, because I never put it out there like that because again, I was afraid to. And so, because now there's a whole nother step of accountability that comes into that. And like, uh, am I gonna walk, walk the walk and talk the talk? Am I gonna really go to the extreme? Am I gonna be a witness? Am I gonna do those things that, Am I going to be at FCA at seven o'clock in the morning? Like, am I all those little things like, cause y'all know a, a, a FCA start early. So, <laughs> uh, but there was all those things that I was like, am I going to, am I willing to do this? And I was so afraid to, because I wasn't ready for the accountability. And, and I think even, even more so now I'm trying to do a much better job now of trying to do those things, trying to do those things, like putting it out there. Like, this is my faith. Like this is what I believe. This is who I am. And I'm um, and not, and not being afraid to do so. And I think that's amazing. I think that's a great question that we all, again, can gut check ourselves. And it's funny because that brings apart another aspect that Christine Kane talked about in this same podcast. You all have to go listen to. You're going to hear me refer to her a lot because I, I truly do. I mean, she speaks the truth. And she said, we're supposed to be God's love letter every day, right? And so, but when people are reading it, what do they read when they read us? And that is almost the same question that, you know, that pastor spoke to you, which is the truth, right? In our actions, right? It should be shown and seen, even if I don't say, but what are they seeing? And I tell people this all the time, just like I said, not only coaches and leaders, but we're sometimes the only Christ, scripture, Bible that anybody will see. Sadly enough, that's a lot of the reasons why people are running away from Christ and not running to him because it's a misrepresentation. We say one thing that our actions don't align. 
Well, I think there's a certain, I, I, we have a standard in everything else that we do. Why don't we have a standard of Christianity and faith? Come that, like, on. Like, um, I tell them, I just told my players the other day, like, what are we going to do to separate ourselves, right? Everybody, everybody trains in the offseason. Everybody lifts, everybody runs, everybody conditions, everybody practices in the spring. Everybody's going through fall training camp. But what do we do to separate ourselves, give us the opportunity to, to be the absolute best? Well, I think the same thing applies to my practice of faith. Like, there's a lot of people that go to church. There's a lot of people that tithe and offer. There's a lot of people that listen to TD Jakes. There's a lot of people that go to the to the Christian bookstore. There's a lot of people that go to church. But what do I do to separate myself or to exercise my faith in a way that it's evident to the people that are around me? And so uh, I think that's a challenge for me. I know personally it's a challenge because there's such a high standard in my career. Why isn't there a high standard in my personal life? And why, to that regard, in regards to my faith. And so. I think that's a, a something else that is um, that's kind of been on my heart a lot lately as well. And I think that's awesome. I think that is the best thing that you said. You know, when there is a standard, we set a standard for everything else. Think about it in the way we live and our jobs, right? Households, money, relationships, right? So why not in our faith? I think that's awesome, Coach. You know, and staying aligned with that, right? You know, we all know that it does get hard. I think one of the things I hear the most from non-believers and those like new in the faith and trying to grow in the faith is that, you know, we make it seem easy. And I tell people, no, no, <laughs> no, yeah. me and hear me well. And sometimes I tell people it's easier for us to give the glory, but not the story, you know, yeah. so talk a little bit about those moments where, you know, sometimes I, I consider and ask it as tell me about one of your biggest failures but tell me about one of those valley moments where you knew, like they say in color purple, I know there was a God when God showed up. So can you yeah. talk a little bit about one of those moments? So uh, I'll tell you, probably it's a, it's a, it's a um, in my mind, I think about, so a couple of years ago, when I was at the University of Louisville, I went through a, a situation where essentially um, somebody was, I just went through a pretty rough situation for the previous job. Um, and long story short, what I what I knew was, what I knew was, was that I wouldn't make it through that situation if it weren't for God that when I'm laying in the bed at night, staring up at the ceiling, and I'm alone with my thoughts, there was nobody there but God, that there were some things that within myself that I had to recognize that uh, if I wasn't doing better, if I wasn't trying, if I wasn't putting that effort into my faith, then that was problematic and I was a fraud. I think for me, the most, the most nobody but God thing is, is having to deal with, with your inefficiencies or my, my inconsistencies and my, the hypocrisy in my faith at times. That the things that I say and the things that I do don't always align with the things that I truly believe. And, and a step further is why not? Like, why do those things not align? Why is it that I, why is it that I, I can go out and say these four-letter words to a, a kid because I'm upset that I'm not executing something, but then post hashtag God is good. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. where, where, why, why do I feel like the hypocrisy is okay? And so I think for me is that like, is it's just being open, not open, but being willing to have those self discussions about like, yeah, I need to do this, but why don't I read my Bible more? Like I'll scroll, I'll scroll through my Facebook feed. I'll scroll through my Instagram feed. I'll read these memes. I'll text all day, whatever. I'll call recruits. I'll do all these things. But like, why don't I pick up my Bible? Like, 
why, why, why is it so easy during the season to say, oh, you know, we got practice today. It's an early day. We had a late day on Saturday. I'm not going to go to church. But why is it so easy to say, you know, I'm going to listen to gospel music in my office. That's my church. Like, why is, why is it so easy to let, my, to let that be a cop-out? And so for me, um, it's been, I would say, the things I went through in life growing up uh, that I couldn't have gotten through but God, the things I've been through professionally as a coach, I couldn't have through but God. And then trying to hold myself more accountable in the realization, like, there's things, there's so many things that I need to do better in my faith. There's so many things I need to do better in my coaching, but not just do better. But there's so many more things I need to hold myself accountable for because we can all say, I need to do this thing better. But what we struggle with is holding ourselves accountable to do those things. And so um, I think trying to find a way to hold myself more accountable, um, I can't I, I can't do it. It's that I need I need God's help on that daily. Amen to that. And I feel you. And one of the things that I actually just started doing, like only past two days, this is new. So what I did is because much like you, we all are guilty of it. You know, I stay in my word, but we all know we could definitely be in it more, right? So one of the things that I do is when I set the alert in my calendar for something, so I, I make that like a calendar alert. So when I know I have a moment and I'm just going to be, you know, just chilling for a second, I'll put it in there as an appointment. And you know how you can leave notes to the meeting? Sure. I'll put the scripture in there. So when it pops up as a meeting, it is a meeting. It's my meeting with God. And for those 10 minutes or however long it takes me, I'm going to read that passage and then that's my moment with God. And then I, I've inserted those. I started two times. And as I move, I'll insert them more. And one of the things that's intentional about it is, you know, I tell people, we have to meet people where we are, but we have to meet ourselves where we are. And I think it comes with honesty. And that's one of the things I appreciate about you is just your transparency in this, because that's the only way that you grow any relationship is transparency and honesty. And, you know, that's going to be truly the commitment with God as well, that transparency and honesty. What's up, everybody? It's your girl, Coach Chelsea. I hope you're doing all right. Just want to take a quick break to talk about another Christian podcast I truly feel you will enjoy. The Create Your Earth Life podcast is hosted by Janasia Staples, who came from the new age, right? I mean, tarot cards, meditation, yoga, and constantly celebrating the sins of the fallen world. But haven't we all been there? But the great thing about it is this pandemic had her feeling like it was something missing. She knew it was God, but she just did not know how to find Christ. After months of trying many ways to connect with God, she was finally saved the summer of 2020. Hallelujah. Now she shares her journey of converting, Bible studies focusing on getting to know Jesus, and she even has guests to share their testimony all on the Create Your Earth Life podcast. Y'all, this podcast is for everyone. So I'm telling you, Create Your Earth Life podcast is on all podcast platforms and even on YouTube. So you pick your best way. You can read Janaysia's upcoming Christian blog and navigate to new podcast episodes on createyourearthlife.com. I promise you guys, check it out. You won't be sorry. You know, as a coach, and you are in a new position now, so I'm pretty sure that things have been hectic and crazy all at the same time, I can only imagine, you know, and just trying to stay afloat and stay in balance. We know that when things, it's almost like the enemy knows those times to come and seep through. What are some ways that you, you know, fill your cup as people like to say, or how, how do you maintain 
balance? What are things that you do to re-pour and refuel your system to stay close with Christ, um, to be able to jump back into the day-to-day processes every day? I think um, I think you said the best a second ago was uh, is just trying to be intentional about my faith the way that I am about other things. That like um, I think sometimes like I, so as a coach you get so busy and think about like oh I didn't eat lunch today like, I have to be intentional about eating I have to be intentional about you know uh, taking you know doing these evaluations I got to be intentional about sending these texts I have to be intentional about making these phone calls I think the biggest thing is being intentional about my faith and then trying to purposely surround myself with people that believe that are like minded. Um, like just something like this is such a, such a blessing to my spirit. Cause I, I need that, like, uh, surrounding yourself with people that, uh, that, you know, can check on you, that you can check back in, that can keep you centered and grounded and having somebody else is going to hold me accountable. And so I think being intentional about, uh, about my faith amongst everything else. Um, cause I think intentions mean you're going to do it, but also it sets it as a priority. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I think trying to do those things is better. And then trying to find the word any way that I can. Like, I, I think I mentioned before, like gospel music in my office when I'm doing evals, like usually it's just white noise or some podcast or I'm, you know, watching something on net, something's playing on Netflix while I'm working, whatever it may be. But, you know, switching over to some Fred Hammond, some Kurt Franklin, whatever it may be. Come on now. Feed, you know what I'm saying? You got to be intentional <laughs> about, you got to feed the, you got to feed the soul like you feed the body. And so I like trying to find any place that I can to give myself a little intake um, wherever I can throughout my day. It's something I've been doing a lot better better job about. The guy that I worked for at Louisville, Brian Brown, um, that was something he did a lot. I got that from him that he was playing gospel music in his office a lot. Uh, and I thought, uh, I was like, man, that's really good. And so there'll be times I'll be sitting here and, and a song will come on that just like just ministers to you in whatever way. It might, it might touch you in the way that you need in that moment, you know, and give you some type of clarity. And so uh, I think it's a great understanding that the good Lord kind of speaks to us all in different ways. And like I said before, he meets us where we are. And sometimes he meets our needs where they are as well, or however we can get to them. And so uh, I think that's probably the thing that I'm probably doing the most of. I think that's awesome. And you you named some heavy hitters. So you are <laughs> me. All right. You are right with me. Cause you know, yeah, my- I grew up in that. That's that Southern Baptist I grew up in. That's there. it. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's it. it. You know, and I think that's amazing. And it is something I'll never forget. There was a time, you know, and I do the same thing. I'll play my music, especially on those teacher planner days. And I never forget one of my coworkers that come to me and said, what was that song you were playing? And of course, I'd actually been playing it all morning. So I'm like, not sure which one you're referring to, because, you know, some of my playlists, they can go on for days without reshuffling. And you'd be surprised what that not only does for you, but those that are coming in and out of your office, just like it picked up from you, from your, you know, your other coach, um, you know, it, it spreads abroad. So I think that's amazing coach. You know, you, you mentioned a coach in terms of this aspect and we all know you hear people talk about board of directors or, you know, I like to say who's sitting at the seats of your table, you know, because there's some people that can sit at our seats, but they're not doing anything. They're just taking up space. So can you talk to us a little bit about some people who along your journey, you know, not only helped you spiritually, but just in your coaching career and help guide you and, and mature you? Oh man, there's been so many countless, um, so many countless teachers and coaches and youth pastors and pastors that one of the things that sticks out to my mind uh, when I was in high school, I grew up without a dad. My, my dad passed away when I was really young. And one of my youth pastors, a guy named Paul Carruthers would come Every Tuesday, every Tuesday to my high school, and he would have lunch with me every Tuesday. 
And he had played football at the University of Tennessee and played. We played the same position. So I had a lot of just great respect for him. But he would come and he would, and we would just eat lunch like every Tuesday. And, and it was one of the hard things for me was like, and I think it's something else that kind of goes into my faith was like trying to learn to identify myself as something more than like just an athlete. Like they, they can go on, they can be like identity as a person, identity as a black man, identity as a, I mean, there were so many things that were just tied up into like, oh man, this is who I am. And it wasn't who I was, who I am, it was what I did, you know? And so I think one of the hardest things for me, if I'm being completely transparent, was when football season was over in high school, I struggled to find out like, who, who am I? What is it I really do like? And so he was always there for me in that regard. And just would always minister to me. Um, and my pastor would come, and he would come every once in a while. We would just have lunch, and they would break bread with me, um, which was just meant so much to me. But the people that probably have helped me the most along my journey is probably my the players that I've the countless players that I've encountered, and not in the way of like ministering to my faith, but but like as you know they're going to hold you accountable to things that you say and do. Mm -hmm. um, and they gave me a chance to really exercise my faith and my, and my servant's heart through them. Like that, even if I wasn't reading the Bible as much as I need to, or going to church as much as I did, I could still have the servant's heart and serve them. So it gave me an opportunity to, to show humility, to, to do for others, to put some, the well-being of somebody else above myself quite frequently, so much so that like, I, I really fell in love with them. And I tell any kid that's ever played for me, tell like, if they don't know anything else, they knew Coach Braswell loved them. Uh, not in the words that he said to them, but how he treated them. You know, I think probably the kids I love the most are the ones that I was, they would tell you I was the hardest on. Um, mm -hmm. So I think just my involvement in their lives has been huge for my faith. And then obviously, I, obviously my mom, uh, single mother of three kids, um, just, just like she never, ever took excuses like we were going to church every time the doors are open so much so that I remember when I was a kid one time I tried to fake a stomach ache so we had to go to Wednesday night service but we ended up we ended up at Wednesday night service anyways but <laughs> but uh, I'm like we gotta go to church on Wednesdays we're there all day on Sunday but uh just just seeing the woman of faith that she is that I mean it's just it, it's like if I can be half as strong in my faith as my mom is and hers um I'll, I'll be doing really well and I don't know that it was so much. Um, I don't know that I got so much of just like the Christian faith from people as much as I got how to be a how to be a man and how to be a person, how to treat people. There's so many people in my life that taught me how to treat people and how to always do right by people. And I think the phrase goes, "The best kind of blessing is to be one." And I had so many so many people that were a blessing to me when they didn't have to be, and so many people that in, invested that I saw God's love through the investment that other people put in me when they didn't have to. Um, and I think that's probably something that to me just kind of resonates the most throughout my life. That's awesome. And you know, even if that is a known statement, I've never heard that. The best uh, lesson is to be one. And I think that's amazing. See, I'm telling you, you've already dropped a bunch of, you know, taglines, but there's one <laughs> that hits me in such a way and truly, I mean, that's it. And a lot of times it's not even, we think it has to be this grandioso detailed event. No, sometimes it's legitimately just being a good person, just saying good morning. Yeah. Hey, how was your day? Sometimes that is all somebody needs to just lift them. You know, you'd be very surprised that the just that small good morning and how that changes somebody's thoughts. Yeah.
Yeah. No doubt. I mean, for me, that's what it was. It's like, and I think you said when we first started is that like, you might be the only love that somebody sees that day, mm -hmm. especially, I mean, I, I, I've coached in all kinds of different socioeconomic levels, but those Title IX schools that are high poverty where you got 80 plus percent of kids on free and reduced lunch, um, that that might be the only love they see there, but it also might be the only Christ they see. Like, mm -hmm. it might be the only, only time they really felt cared about. And so um, I think that's a way to demonstrate, I know for me, that was a way that God's love was demonstrated to me through other people that it may not have been, you know, open your Bible to this page and let me talk to you about Christ. It may have just been through the servanthood of other people, like denying themselves for me or going out of their way for me. Yeah. You know, and it's funny, I tell people this all the time and I'm like, if you're like me, right, we were always raised that you don't eat from everybody's house. Sounds great. So you don't eat from everybody. Right. That's just not what we do, right? We got to know you. I have to know what your house, your habits look like. That's just how we were raised, right? Mm -hmm. But it's the same thing too, in terms of, as you said, breaking bread, but also the bread of life. So if we don't know you, if that person can't see it in your walk, what makes you think that they're going to feel comfortable hearing the bread of life from you? Yeah. Same yeah. way that they want to accept bread or fruit food from just anybody. Yeah. And I was telling somebody that, and, and it even shocked me when I said it, because I said, it's the same thing that holds true. We want to, as you said, you know, say all that and the other, but then put a hashtag, God is good, God is real. Okay, he is. But understand, you know, in the word, it tells us that that spring water doesn't give salt and fresh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so, and I think that's amazing, Coach. You know, you mentioned something and it kind of brought me back to what you and I were kind of chatting a little bit about before we got started. You mentioned these individuals who were pivotal um, just in your progress and your maturation and growth, right? And so mentorship is important. It's key. One of the things I always say is definitely an action, right? Mentorship yeah. is more than just a title. It entails intentional action, right? And so right. guys, we were talking about the whole situation. I'm pretty sure people saw it with the camp at the Cam Newton 707 camp and the young man who, you know, had some choice words. And I wanted a little bit to kind of recircle that, you know, coach, because even though that was highlighted because it was Cam Newton and went viral on social media, this happens often on large and smaller scales. So can you talk a little bit about mentorship, right? Why it's important. That was a valid reason on why that was important. Why it's important, but also why we have to be intentional about reaching back and helping those young men and women and bringing them back up so that they can be the next generation. Yeah, I think um, I think it's so important because somebody did it for us. You know, as a coach, somebody somebody helped me, showed me, and taught me so that I could do what it is that I do today. And I was fortunate enough to have people in my life that were there for me in a way to help mature me so I could be the person that I am today. But it's it's I can't. I hear people talk about the time, man, kids just aren't the same. Kids aren't the same. You know, well, why aren't kids the same? Is it because parents are the same? Is it because people that are involved in these kids' lives aren't showing them a better way? Like, I took my job as a high school head coach really seriously because I wanted to, because it was an opportunity for me to be an example back to somebody else. Um, I probably gave the most rise to kids that played the least amount of football for me just because it wasn't about the football as much as it was about, like, putting my arm around you letting how can I expect you to care about somebody if I never care for you in the way that you need? 
And so I think mentorship is important, not just because of what I can teach you, but what I can show you. Um, uh, I think that's, I just think that's so vital. And being a, being a father, I think what's important is like, how do I model the behavior that I want? Like, how do I model the examples that I want? Like, one of the things I thought was, uh, was so important, I think in high school sports is, you know, how do you fundraise at the high school? How do you get kids to raise funds? Like, well, I think one of the things you gotta do is you gotta be demanding of them the same way you're demanding of practice. You gotta be demanding of selling discount cards or whatever it may be, um, because they all want the gear, they all want the shoulder pads, they all want those nice things, but like, what are you willing to do for it? And like, something as simple as that is modeling behavior, creating accountability, setting a standard, and not letting that standard down. Like, um, I think that's just, I think that's so important. So mentorship is important to me just because you're getting to model the behavior that is synonymous with people becoming effective contributors to society. You know, um, the game of football and sports in general is just so good for teaching you discipline and accountability and, and all those different things when utilized in the right ways. Like, um, so I think uh, more so, like I said before, and we talked about it before, the the schedule and the wins and losses, they are what they are. You know, sometimes it comes down to Jimmy's and Joe's, but but what really matters is what happens, the growth that happens outside the white lines, not on the court or on the field. What happens when they go home? Like, what are they doing in their schoolwork? Like, all, all those things mean so much more than anything else, like records and all that stuff. I mean, it is what it is, and it's all great, and hoist and trophy is fine, but the greatest accomplishment hadn't been this win, hadn't been a win or anything like that. And the greatest defeats haven't been a loss. The, the, the best things I've seen are when that kid comes back and I had a kid that played for me several years ago, 2010, actually 2019. Yeah. Uh, decided to get into high school coaching because I was his coach. And then has, is the office coordinator at one of the top football schools in the country at Grayson high school. And they just recently got married, just recently had his first kid. Like that's, and he told me, not long ago as a coach, I just, he's like, I decided to coach because you were my coach. Like, that's that's what matters. You know, I couldn't tell you what our record was when he played for me, but, like, that touched my heart in a way that uh, you want your you want your presence to add value. Um, and when it comes to when it comes to mentorship, there's and really just relationships in general, there are two types of people in everybody's life. It are people that add to your life or people that take away. That is it. There's no in between. Somebody's adding to you or somebody's taking away from you. And as a mentor and as a leader, as a role model in the schools, in the community, as a Christian, you either add into the faith, you either add into your job, you either add into the community, or you're taking away from it. And, and those who create the gray area, they're really taking away, right? If you ask a girl, hey, do you love me? She says, I don't know. That means no. Like, <laughs> that means no. So if I'm, I'm either, if, if, I'm, if I can say, hey, am I adding to the faith? Am I making this place better? I don't really know, but that means no. And so, um, I think that's so important that as a coach, are you pouring into your kids? Well, I don't know. That means no. So you got to make sure you're pouring into them so that they can then go and pour into somebody else and we can overturn some of these generational curses that are kind of plaguing some of our youth. Coach, you know, I'm not one that tried to be biased or anything like that, but coach, that honestly is probably one of the most jam-packed, wholesome answers, uh, new answers that I've received from that question. And it's so important. I was sitting up here wanting to jump out of my chair, but staying composed because we know this to be true as coaches and educators that these times are hard, right? They are definitely hard when you're trying to, as you say, focus on what's truly important, which are the, the intangibles, as I like to call them, that, you know, matter outside of the lines. I'm not going to remember, like you said, the record 
that that specific team had when you were on my roster. What I will remember though, is when you walked across the stage and what you're doing now, right? Because when you walk across the stage, I don't say sayonara, bye, next. I stay tapped into you because I've actually poured into you and I want to see a return on that investment. I want to see you succeed. And it doesn't stop when you walk across the stage. And so when you can actually see these people becoming better men and women, better fathers, right? That is what's important, right? He doesn't yeah. I don't even remember how many points he averaged. You know, the older that we get, we, you know, that goes up, right? The older we yeah. get, average goes up when we talk to the younger generation. But yeah matters most are those intangibles, right? How I call it the replacement number, you know, I teach science and in environmental science, we talk about the fertility replacement level, right? What's the number that's going to take to replace the population? Well, we have to think about that the same way when we think about mentorship and leadership. These babies, if we miss that assignment, as you say, and we're dwelling in gray areas, please understand they're going to replace us. But when they replace us as coaches, that young man makes you proud because you know what you poured into him. And you're not worried like, oh, Lord, what is he teaching them young men? You're ready because you gave him everything that you had. And that as leaders and coaches and coaches of faith is what we should be pouring into them and doing on a day-to-day basis. Coach, that's amazing. Well, you said it best, and I'll hit you with a little science too. Uh, but you know, I always think about Newton's third law for like every Come action is equal or opposite reaction. And that doesn't yeah. really apply to society but it's so true that like if if my action is is pouring into somebody and showing them that i care and giving them the roadmap of how you care about people how you pour into people there's going to be an equal reaction to that but if yeah. i don't there's going to be an opposite, opposite. Action and they don't yep. pour it to somebody else you know what i'm saying so i'm always that's always kind of constantly in my mind and i know it doesn't directly apply to that but i think about that that what i'm pouring into somebody they're going to pour into somebody else positively or negatively um yeah and I think that's so important because uh, that's what our legacy ultimately is, right? The people, the the nobody's going to have my record book at my funeral. The people are going to carry my casket aren't going to be the number of games I won. They're not going to post it on top of all the trophies and the plaques. It's going to be the ones that I've coached their lives have changed because I was in it. Those are the ones that carry your casket. And so um, I think it's so important to try to, to make sure that you're, number one, edifying people around you, but number two, that you're equipping them to edify others um, because you're influencing their life. Oh, that's good. That's good. I appreciate the science in there too. Yeah, I thought you might like that. Talking about, all right. <laughs> yeah. You know, coach, you know, one of the things, this is indeed uh, the servant leader, right? Coach's Bible study platform, where truly we see it all the time, right? Servant leader, servant leadership. Those are two words that we see, you know, thrown around as, you know, how we describe ourselves or, you know, hashtags, and that's fine. You'll even see me hashtag it because I'm truly trying to make it one of those identified pieces, right? No one looks at the sky and say, I'm not sure what that is. You know it's the sky, right? You've seen it. You've seen representation. I want servant leadership to be one of those things that is just that evident. When you see it, you know it's true. And it's not done because you want people to see it. That's how I found you. So one of the things I'm doing is working on the longest, but most Uh, the truest form and definition of what servant leadership is. And I'm doing that by getting it from servant leaders like yourself. So to coach Courtney Braswell, what would you say servant leadership is? Oh man, that's a tough one. Um, (laughs) I I don't, I think to me, it's, um, I don't, I think one of the best things that I've ever done was be a high school coach and an educator. Mm-hmm. I have such a different appreciation for people 
and there's no job that is beneath me. Mm-hmm. Like oftentimes last year, at my, some of the guys that work on sports staff be like, coach, let me do that. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm gonna do it. Like I'm, I'm just used to doing it myself. But um, Jesus washed feet. And I think being a high school coach, like here, there's nothing I wouldn't do. There's nothing that I'm not grateful for. Uh, uh, there's nothing that like, I don't put myself above any job. And so I think, you know, to me, the being the definition of a servant leader is, I think you obviously lead by example. Uh, you lead by example, you humble yourself and you serve in what area that you're called to the best of your ability. And so um, whatever, whatever that, whatever that may be, I probably think that's the, the biggest thing that I got was like, I went from running my own program and doing my own thing to going to the University of Louisville and being quality control. That's some humble pie. Like yeah. you go from being the guy making decisions to getting coffee. Like it was great and I learned a lot, but there's humility involved in that. And there was days that I wanted to quit. I'm like, I don't need to do this. I don't want to get coffee. I'm a ball coach. But I think the best thing besides the football lessons I learned, I learned again how to serve. Mm-hmm. Um, and how and and there's a lot of people that serve, but serving with humility and gratitude in my heart, like being thankful for the opportunity to serve. Because again, that's the blessing within the blessing, right? Like the the best thing I can do in my life is to pour into somebody else's. And so um, I think for me, uh, I think for me, uh, just being a servant leader is leading by example, um, not just leading from the front, but being the lead from the back and push others towards it. Uh, living my life in a way, living my life in a way of service that there's no job too small and then and doing it with humility and uh, sincerity um, in my heart. That's awesome. And and one of the things that, you know, true servant leaders understand is this the humility in service, right? We can serve, but we all know we've received bad service, right? That's yeah. still a server, right? That doesn't yeah. ensure that we're going to get good service. So, you know, humble leadership is truly it. And not only that, being understanding that I'm going to serve where my calling is, right? And it goes back to what we talked earlier in this conversation, right? It's not about sometimes my calling where I'm called to serve is not in the bright lights. Sometimes it's going to be in others eyes, the smallest job. But I tell you this, that coffee, especially for a person like me, bringing me coffee is the highlight of the day. Okay. <laughs> I assure you today yeah. coach has been up two, three, four o'clock in the morning watching film, right? They remembered your name when it was yeah. time for coffee, but you know, I think that's amazing. And in, in, in order to lead, just like the word says, we have to be able to first serve. If we yeah. can do that, we'll never be able to lead properly. We'll lead in title, but not properly. I think that's amazing, Coach. Yeah. We 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 begin to close. Uh, you know, you are definitely one of those ones that I can continue talking to. But as we begin to close in this conversation, you know, these are times that it's just in the midst of the pandemic and in the midst of just the up and downs of our seasons, cancellations, right? You know, my brother Cabrell Huff, who's on here, he definitely keeps me aligned. And, you know, we have to be adaptable and flexible is what he was telling me this, this season, which all of us have started to see that. Can you just leave our coaches and leaders with some encouragement, right? A last thought that just can help them to understand that even on our worst days, right, we have to remember what's truly important. Yeah, I think, um, like I said, I think uh, keep your keep your focus. As I mentioned before, it's not what you see, it's what you refuse to be distracted by. 
limit your distractions and, and fill your time with productivity because as a man thinks, therefore he is. So make sure you, I think the most important thing is surround yourself with like-minded people. Um, I think that's, that's the hardest thing, you know, being a man, being stubborn, being tough. I don't need anybody. I, I, I'm good. Like find people that pour into you, that, that will pour into you and that will encourage you because I, I mean, I couldn't make it without some of the great people um, that have been in my life, especially now that sometimes it's not even about faith. Sometimes it's the conversation, just the vent or the, just the random text message. Like, hey man, just checking in on you, make sure everything is good. Um, Jeremy Hawkins, that was in a second ago. Like, he's a guy just texting me today. Hey, just checking in. You know, didn't want anything, just checking in. So I think um, limiting your distractions, keeping your focus, surrounding yourself with people, uh, with like-minded people that are going to feed into you, that you can feed into. Um, that that energy and that vibe from good people that that can really sustain you through some really tough times, particularly in this in this day and age where there's so much uncertainty um, and there's not a lot of clarity about you know what's going to happen and there's you certainly don't know what's going to happen down the road. Um, I think having people that you know are pouring back into you that you can lean on um, is probably the only way to make it. Um, and then uh, and lastly, be intentional about your time, be intentional about your faith. Um, and, and, and make that a priority like you make everything else. I think that's awesome, Coach. I, I definitely appreciate those words. All of your nuggets that you dropped today, I wish you could see my notepad down here. <laughs> I was going, okay? I got a wrist workout. But I, I appreciate you, Coach, because not only were they gems dropped, you know, just in how they sound, they were truly from your heart. And I told you that. That is why God truly led me to reach out to you, just your authenticity, um, your intentionality to make people better right? That your joy comes in the success of others. And to me, that is one of the truest forms of servant leadership that can ever be seen. So I appreciate you, coach. I tell people all the time, time is the one thing in life that once it's given, you can't give that back. And I know how busy you are. So I appreciate you for your time. So final thing, one, if you could just tell our listeners where to find you for some of that encouragement and that energy that exudes through <laughs> uh, Twitter handle. And then secondly, when you finish that, if you could close us out with a prayer. I'd appreciate you. Oh, uh, you can find me. Uh, my Twitter handle is at Court Braswell, C-O-R-T-B-R-A-S-W-E-L-L. Um, if there's anything I can do, please, please, please shoot me a message. Um, probably shouldn't shoot me a message on my Twitter. You can always, I, I get so many of those dang on things, but uh, if my phone number, 845-522-3260. Please shoot me a text, call, anything like that. We're in this together. We're all we got. So we are in this together um, and, and however we can help, however I can help. If you just need somebody to listen to, uh, listen to you or I can definitely, I can definitely talk if y'all haven't picked up on that already. If we need somebody to talk here, I'll put you to sleep. I'm your guy for that too. But uh, um, I'll go ahead and close us in, in prayer, Chelsea, if that's okay. And then yeah, um, God, we thank you for this opportunity. Um, I think Chelsea said it best that, you know, one of the, one of the things that we have the least amount of is, it's time and it's, it's certainly not, it's the only non-renewable source. And we're so grateful for the time and opportunity to share, sharing our faith and sharing our struggles, sharing our triumphs together. And we're, we're so grateful for all the many blessings that you've given to us. And thank you for the connection that you've created here. And we, we pray that something that we discussed today may help or touch the heart of those who may be struggling or those who need encouragement. Father, we, we, we pray as always for the strength to continue to do your work and to live according to your purpose and that we always operate within your will. Uh, thank you again for your many blessings. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Coach, for that. You are now part of the Servant Leader family.
Excited, yeah. It keeps growing, man. I'm telling you. So whatever, yeah. if there's anything that I could ever do, all you got to do is reach out. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, Chelsea. Absolutely, Coach. Y'all have a good night. Thank you so much for listening. Uh-huh. See you. All right.